This is Scott Fishman with Anthroposophy Today. In this episode, Sarita and I leave early childhood and continue on to first grade. We talk about what to look for in a child to see if they are ready to enter first grade, what makes the first grade classroom different from the early childhood space, and what a typical day in the classroom would look like. We discuss the curriculum of academics, including reading and writing, arithmetic, and art. We talk about how the first grade teacher works with the children and the characteristics of the first grader at this stage in their life. So come join us. If you have any questions or comments on the episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at anthroposophytodaypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like more information, you can check out our blog post for this or any of our other episodes at www.anthroposophytoday.com. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. Here we go. Uh, So today we're going to do first grade, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Um... So, uh, last time we went through kindergarten and essentially daycare, w- what do we call that group? Early childhood. Well, er- early childhood. Yeah. Uh, that encompasses um, pre- preschool, um, kindergarten, and sometimes early programs. Early programs meaning? Before just three years old. Before we, three. We, just we like, talk about yeah. three-year-olds. Yeah. In sort of the preschool, that some schools actually have this group separated from the kindergarten. Some mm-hmm. schools that are smaller have all of them together. And then there is also parent-taught programs that are um, available in different schools. And small, um, also uh, small Waldorf-inspired schools have uh, parent-taught, what they call it, which is the parent and the, the toddler. Parent- to. Todd, they're it's called, called like T-O-D, yeah, as in Todd. toddler. Yeah. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So they come, the parent and the toddler come together to mm. these um, little programs for, you know, depending on yeah. two hours, three hours. Mm-hmm. I did that with our, you know, with Solomon mm. when he was a baby. He was yeah. like a year old. Um, so they have that. I mean, they're beautiful. They have mm. like two hours. It's very good for uh, community, you know, building uh, sometimes uh, parents, not just mothers, because fathers do it too. Mm-hmm. And they come together and they get a sort of uh, pre-entrance uh, into understanding um, how the world of education approaches nice. um, childhood. You know? I remember we did that in Maine, didn't we? When yeah, we were living one, in New Hampshire? Was, yeah, that was the one we went uh, with Solomon when he yeah, was a year old. Yeah, it was just a uh, an hour or two or yeah, something. Yeah, it was two hours a day, and it was like two to three times a week. Mm. Uh, sometimes people, uh, there are programs that actually have more mm. than that, uh, but it depends on what the yeah. population of the school or the um, little um, kindergarten, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's offered by the kindergartens too. So what do we look for in a child as they are transitioning from early childhood to first grade? What, is, what, is, what does the child look like? What does a teacher look for in order to say, 
this child is ready or, and of course, then what would make a child less ready or not ready for first grade? There are many things that are used to um, decide if a child is ready for first grade um, within the world of education. They are, um, and there, these are no, um, there are some guidance mm -hmm. that, you know, the teachers follow, the, the kindergarten teachers, but also the first grade teachers um, that are receiving the children um, is, uh, yeah. So, first of all, the, the kindergarten teacher already sort of know what her mm -hmm. group of kids are that will be, uh, or that could potentially transition to first grade the following school year. Mm -hmm. So that year they are looking at them for indications to see if they're ready. And this does not mean uh, they, they look at the, at the child, like I said, many, many different levels because in world of education, the child is not seen as um, body and mind, is, is seen as a, a complex uh, being that has, uh, you know, body, mind, um, spirit, soul, mm -hmm. and um, through the whole education, there is this sort of three-dimensional way of looking at the education that needs to be, in a way, awakened into the child. Um, and I use the word awakened because it is not um, belief that we are inputting something in the child, mm -hmm. as though the child is a computer or a machine, mm -hmm. but we are awakening um, already capacities that are there, but they're mm. just dormant. Mm -hmm. And it comes from sort of the Latin word educare, educare, mm. uh, that means that to awake. Mm -hmm. So it comes from that sort of origin foundation mm -hmm. through the Dr. Steiner um, has created wonderful ways for us to not so much uh, methodology or curriculum, but more a uh, guidance mm. and is all based on the child development seen yeah. as an individual that is growing, that is not fixed, is growing and yeah. evolving, not every year only, mm. but every moment, moment yeah, right. of their uh, child's life, things are changing, it's metamorphosing. So the school, the, the education is based into looking at a child that way. So that's what I said. In the kindergarten, the teacher who is the main teacher, because mm. they usually have a lead teacher and an assistant, depending on mm -hmm. how big the school is. Um, usually the classroom may have around 25 children, so it's usually have an assistant. Uh, so they the both, um, the teacher and the assistant, look at these kids who are, for that year, may, that, that may transition to first grade at mm -hmm. the end of the year. They, they look for different things, not just, for example, um, a, a, dexterity in certain movements in their body, you know, when they're being, they're able to cross from um, you know, left side to la to right side, you know, through games. This is not something what, that What do you mean cross from left side to meaning, right side? Meaning, so uh, the ability to be able to uh, do things in a coordinated way through using, crossing the middle line, which mm -hmm. is the midline. If you have your nose and you mm -hmm. go all the way from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, there is like a middle line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that divides your left side from your right side. So that's what we call the midline. Mm -hmm. You know, there is also the midline from like the waist yeah. up and the uh -huh. waist down. <clears throat> so all of those are areas mm -hmm. are look into, is the child able to do these things? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that if they are not, mm -hmm. that's 
um, he's, he or she's not ready to go to first grade. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is they, they observe these things through games, through activities, yeah, right. climbing the trees. No, they are kids who are very ready. Also, um, and the ones who are not, is fine. They will be able to transition well in the first grade if they have other, um, the other things that they look at mm -hmm. are, let's say, ready or almost ready. So I just want to, can yeah. I just interrupt for a second? Because yeah. I find that um, one thing that I've noticed through all of anthroposophy is, um, which is in, in contrast to some degree to how we are accustomed to think in modern times, is that the first thing we do, it seems, when we're presented with something unknown or something that we want to learn about, is we gather definitions. What yeah. is, you know, we, we we're always trying to define things. So, uh, socialism. What is socialism? We'll Google it and we'll define it. What is capitalism? We'll 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 define it. And one thing that Dr. Steiner left for us in all of the fields in which he left us these gifts was to resist the temptation to define things. Because as we define things, we in a sense uh, kill them. We close off. We, we, it's we, what? It's fixed. Yeah, it becomes fixed. Mm -hmm. And our mind is no longer open to what's actually in front of us, living, changing, and growing. We cease to see it as a living and growing and ever changing thing. And we just have defined it, it's done. And so instead, he taught us to just characterize things. And, and that's what. You, you were just beginning to do, beginning to characterize certain elements of child development, and those are just indications for readiness. And this is where the art of teaching comes in, is that a good teacher has to be able to, and knows his or her students, and has to be able to um, notice, just notice what's going on, characterize it, keep it open, and, and um, develop a deeper understanding of the child, which then would allow you to determine whether or not a particular child is suitable to move on, or, or what, long before then, a teacher would say, well, this, is, this child is not being able to cross the midline, and therefore, we may do something to, to help that happen long right. before. It's not mm -hmm. like an exam <laughs> happens at the end of yeah, no, no, kindergarten. No. no, that's what I mean yeah. when I said that this, the teacher at uh, the beginning of the, before the beginning of the, let's, let's say the last year of kindergarten, mm -hmm. the, you know, during the summer, they uh, prepare and they look at the, the kids who are in that group mm -hmm. to be able to transition to first grade at the end of that school year. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the, the teacher noticed any of these things that, mm -hmm. you know, that I will mention a little bit more that are not where they, they need to be so that the child is able to thrive when they enter the first grade, they usually uh, work on different mm -hmm. activities, not directly because the child is too early, so they don't uh, intervene as mm -hmm. though you're having therapy. It's not done that way at all. It's done wholesomely in a way that the, the activities are introduced in the group Mm -hmm. whether they are outside in playtime or activities that are, you know, um, given to the entire group 
because if it benefits one, sometimes it benefits the whole group. And mm. these are not therapies; they are just uh, active exercises mm -hmm. that that may um, that that help. And yeah. sometimes uh, also the, in different schools, um, they uh, have a eurythmies who is um, we will talk about eurythmy yeah. as a separate, right. um, but just so to give a little bit for the listeners, eurythmy is an art form, a movement art form, and a spiritual art form that was created by Rudolf Steiner and is a uh, uh, deeply um, embedded um, part of the world of education, meaning mm -hmm. that they, um, the, the, the students receive eurythmy from first grade until the end of the uh, Fourth grade mm -hmm. and in preschool, uh, in kindergarten, in some schools, because of you know sometimes they they're not able to do it financially or something. But in general, um, the bigger water schools do uh, have eurythmy um, in the kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So many times eurythmy is brought in the groups. And as another element that is important with the teachers is that they all are. In communication with each other, mm -hmm. that we work as a team. Right. We all have our specialties. Mm -hmm. We all have, um, especially in the in the high school, because everybody's in a specialist. Mm -hmm. But in the grade school too, because we have a group of of teachers who work together: the craft teacher, the art teacher, the handwork teacher, the eurythmy uh, teacher. Um, the younger grades have much more connection with the main lesson teacher, which we will talk a little bit more. Uh, but as the grades advance, they have many more what is called specialty teachers coming to them to teach mm -hmm. other subjects. So all the teachers um, are observing. So if, if the main teacher has a, a, a question, in the case of a kindergarten, because the kindergarten teacher is the one, the main teacher, and in the kindergarten there is only the, the main teacher and the assistant, an exception will be the eurythmist who comes once a week. Mm -hmm. And they come for, I think it's like a very short lesson, not an hour lesson, but like half hour, many 20, maybe 25 minutes. And it's done very um, playfully because yeah, that's right, the age that right. they are, as we spoke before. So anyway, so that could be mm -hmm. addressed through that mm -hmm. in conversation with the teacher. So uh, any something that the teacher may have observed, the kindergarten teacher that, that may you know, she may bring, he or she may bring it to this eurythmy teacher or other colleagues who will suggest things that they can do. Mm -hmm. uh, or the teacher is a very experienced teacher that she or he will know what to do because he or he has seen this before. Right. So, um, but that's just sort of movement that I'm talking about. So right. you can see things in the body that the child mm -hmm. may not be ready because these things are not developed. And then they work through the year with these things in different activities. And sometimes, even if the child is not, let's say, advancing in this or advance a little bit, mm -hmm. that will not be something that they will stop the child from going to first grade. I'm just sort of bringing right, this right, right. because there is, then there is an awareness that this has to be sort of worked right. um, I, through I would the imagine first grade. that most of what you're doing is is really i mean all of the children come with um challenges and they they range along a spectrum and that you're you're working with them individually and in a group to sort of smooth out some of the 
rough spots. Um, and obviously there'll be extremes of people who, kids who, who, you know, just can't quite get up to speed, if you will, um, for a variety of reasons. But then in general, it's a process of sort of, you know, as you talked about last time, teaching them to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so then eventually they, they sort of, you know, become somewhat imperfect and then those, the, the wrinkles are smoothed out a little bit. Well, you know, also there is an element which also we can talk, uh, touch upon in a different conversation, but there is uh, the incarnation um, element of how well is a child incarnating in this, in this sort of realm of mm-hmm. being in the earth. You know, what does mm-hmm. that mean? And mm-hmm. so, but this is for a different conversation, yeah. but um, the... Yeah, but just suffice it to say for now that some children um, hit the ground running. I mean, yeah. they're just like, it's like they can't wait to get here. <laughs> they they land and they're like, yeah, let's go. I know exactly what's got to happen And there are other here. ones who are a little more dreamy. And there are others so who mean, are, yeah. what? Where yeah. are we? Yeah. I, I, I would prefer to be back where I was before. I'm not really interested or engaged in my environment yet. I'm just sort of, as you say, dreamy. And so, you know... Probably you can speak to this better than I, but the earthly ones need to learn to maybe dream a little more, um, and the dreamers need to, you know, land and be a little more um, grounded. So, yeah, 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 and, and you know, it has to do with, um, yeah, that, that 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 element that you just explained, but also that they are, you know, not we, we have the sort of body that we have to embody mm-hmm. and it doesn't suit us. It's like right. if you put a pan that doesn't suit you, yeah. either you need to buy a new right. size because right. you, you know, it's too small for you or... And that's never happened to me. <laughs> or you have to lose some weight. <laughs> or, not, not that neither. You no. know, but in, when, when it is your body, you can't yeah. lose, you know, you can't, you, you have to sort of... So that's what I'm talking about is that sometimes there are things that are, a little difficult, yeah, but right. it doesn't mean that the child has learning difficulties or this or right. that. You know, that, right. that also could happen, but um, there are situations that sometimes makes the child um, have different difficulties to do certain things, and they are not necessarily learning disabilities. They're right. just these right. difficulties right. that can be uh, addressed through right. different, you know, different things artistically. And and there are also learning uh, difficulties right. that come into play, right. and there are also ways that we address artistically with mm-hmm. different ways um, that uh, help the child mm. to get you know handle whatever situation mm. is that they have, uh, whether it is ADHD, ADD, dyslexia, and all the different um, learning difficulties that we have. Um, they learn tools. They learn different ways to to uh, um, function mm-hmm. that are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much coping mechanisms, you know, that mm-hmm. also is helpful, but more than anything, I would call it healing. Yeah, This yeah. is a process uh, of healing, helping uh, the human being um, heal through the years of education. That's what I call it, a, begin, uh, a beginning awakening, because mm-hmm. it's an awakening, but also an awakening um, through whatever it is that you have brought that is difficult. Mm. Some people have it smoother, some people don't right. have it smoother. And sometimes right. certain situations are, or, or topics or subjects mm. 
are pretty easy. Like some people are incredible at movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just amazing. They're like, blow your mind what they can do. Mm. But they have a little difficulty sometimes in the academics. Right. But in, interestingly, they're connected. So mm. if they are having a difficulty, it's because there is no something getting translated. Mm -hmm. So that's our job as a teacher mm. to be able to address what's not being translated and help them to create a bridge that help them connect their talent in movement to the academics. Mm -hmm. And the same thing vice versa with the kids who are incredibly academic, mm -hmm. but they have difficulty with movement. They are yeah. not very coordinated or they have different kinds of things happening. Mm -hmm. Some people are in amazingly uh, with music and they feel that they have problems with math right. uh, because of the arithmetic part, for example. They may have had a block when they were little, but we all know, and even the, the uh, regular um, research out there sees the connection between music and, and math. Yeah. So if right. somebody is brilliantly musical, there's no way that that person cannot be mathematical-oriented. Yeah, right. It's just yeah. something, a bridge was broken. So we help to find ways to right. help them. No, no, we don't create it. They, right. We help them to create a bridge that right. they are able to connect to right. uh, in different ways. So that's what all the topics in World of Education I, are taught um, artistically. Yeah. When I reflect back on some of our experiences in early childhood with our children, I, I can, at the time I was just upset or angered by the, the impotence that we felt when our children weren't thriving in their environment. And the answer always seemed to be, you know, the, the children is lacking X, Y, Z. The, the child is lacking something. It was always what the child was lacking. And at that time, I just felt that it was unacceptable because, um, you know, it's your job. Uh, it's your job, in a sense, to understand the child and work with it, him or her, wherever they're at. But at this point, I feel, now that I, we, we've been bathing in anthroposophy for so many years, I feel a sense of um, compassion for the teachers who I can look back now and I can tell they just didn't know what to do. They just didn't know enough about human development, child development, to actually, um, and it's not that one would know in every situation what to do, but when you have a framework and indications like what you can get through through um, anthroposophy and the indications that Steiner left, you can work with it and you can puzzle, it can be a puzzle. It's not like everything just unfolds easily, but you're, you're at least, um, you're not blaming the child. That's for sure. I, I think the key word is like asking the right question. Mm. What mm. are the questions that instead of looking at a child uh, as a problem or, because uh, there are children who are very difficult, right. very difficult, for the parents and in the classroom. Right. Um, I think that the, the, the most important thing is, what is the question that you need to be asking mm. um, to your, you know, yourself so that when you arrive in the classroom, or, or if you're a parent, if you awake every single day and you have this child in your household and things happen that are not working and it's just like tantrums or whatever mm -hmm. it is that is mm -hmm. happening, um, it, it sort of 
helps you to really take a step back and see, hmm, either something is happening in the class, if you're in the classroom, in the classroom that did not work out with this child. Um, is, for example, you have children in the in first grade, because we're talking about mm -hmm, first grade. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, children in the first grade sitting on the class in the in the desk under the you know, in front of their desk, and the teacher is giving the, the, the lesson or doing whatever it is that they're doing at the moment um for the uh two hours of the day when they arrive is the main what we call main lesson mm -hmm. block. It doesn't mean that it's the main subject, it's just called main because it happens first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he, he explores a very important main um, blocks of education that mm -hmm. ranges between three weeks through four weeks, possibly five, mm -hmm. depending on the school, depending on the class, on the class, and this this sort of this type of um, main lesson frame block happens through the entire world of education. And so if you see a child that is sitting in the class or you notice one of the children, um, you could have one that is fidgeting with her hands and moving mm -hmm. and, and then it crosses to the other side of yeah. the, the thing and it bothers the next door and it yeah, becomes right. this, whoa, mm -hmm. and this happens all the time. Then you, you clearly are seeing that a child is needing movement. Right. It's something, right. you know, and many, many times kids could do if you watch them, tons of stuff with their fingers. Mm. And they are just like little, little mm. tambourines in a mm. way sometimes. Mm. Then you can notice another child who's sitting there um, daydreaming. Yeah. Super quiet. Don't even say anything, but it's not there. Mm. It's gone. Mm. As long, I always used to say when I see, saw children like that, not in my classroom, but when I would see, it, yeah, I would just, and we, we would talk to one of our children. That way we will notice that they were, uh, I would say, well, you're just, yourself is like up there in a balloon. Mm. That, that's, yeah. you, you are up there on a balloon yeah, because right. you're gone. Right. And so there is sometimes children who do that. Mm. And then there is other types of children who are voracious readers. Yeah. And they will have the book hidden under yeah, the right. desk and will right. take the book out, not on top, but, you know, hiding. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they will be totally immersed on whatever it is that yeah. they're reading. Of course, and then this is because of the, you know, the, the, the first one is movement. The second one is an example of somebody who is like very much into the feeling, into the imaginative mm -hmm. realm. And the third one is a, a person that you can see or, you know, a, a demonstration about somebody who is into, needs a simulation for like learning. Yeah, something right. so i'm not saying that these are these are just sort of examples yeah, sure. um but you can see that in the world of education we try to actually meet those three yeah. three things and that's what we call uh willing thinking and feeling yeah, in the okay. sense that these are the three-dimensional uh areas that we we um try to address mm. through the whole education and we do it in different ways uh, but we are the willing is very connected as uh, so we spoke mm -hmm. in the, our last conversation the about early childhood the, yeah. the will of the child is very active when they are in the early childhood mm -hmm. group um, and it continues being active what i'm saying is it's, it's very raw you could see mm -hmm. it that's what when sometimes a child gets 
upset, they have tantrums. Yeah, right. You don't see that so much when children are a little older because they are able to contain themselves mm -hmm. a little bit. A, a child that is three, yeah. forget it. Yeah, yeah. It just explodes and will bounce to the don't, don't, doesn't matter if you're in the mall, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You, they will just explode mm -hmm. something. So that's sort of pure will right there. Yeah. And then the 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 other one is sort of the the type of like feeling the feeling mm -hmm. part, and then we have the thinking part. So these three elements are all in in Right. intertwine in the education yeah, and yeah. then we also have certain groups um developmentally it, we look at it like groups of periods of seven you know mm -hmm. zero to seven is sort of the so will let me theory. let me ask you then if you've got this classroom with naturally with people um more predisposed to needing movement and others more predisposed to the feeling element and mm -hmm. others you know reading their books in their desk and yeah y y do what do you do? Do you, do you well, have a the, you just start the class with movement, I guess? And well, then move the, to... the thing is that we this is what I was bringing this up is that um, we create our day, our day, our week, our into these rhythms as mm -hmm. we spoke in the early childhood. There are rhythms uh -huh. that are formed. We also have rhythms in the grade school. Uh, first grade is still very important because first grade is. Uh, in a way, a little bit transition, a continuation from the kindergarten into the grade school. We see it that way. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about it a little bit more later uh, about reading, writing, mm -hmm. how do we introduce these subjects. Um, we don't go right to the head. We use mm -hmm. always these three elements to um, do all activities. So we are uh, ideally awakened in the child. Uh, helping them to harmonize all of these elements. So I gave the example of those three types of children, mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that we go through that mode of whatever that child has a preference. We mm -hmm. try to bring all of that, mm -hmm. so we create sort of like a, a type of whole apple instead of a yeah. quarter of an apple. Right, 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 right. Um, so a third of an apple. So mm. we include all of these rhythms in our daily um activities mm -hmm. um, for our daily um, activities within a class. Mm. This is done to the foreign language, to the mm. uh, eurythmy. Every single class has this three-dimensional um, level of education every day. Mm. This is not done once a month or mm -hmm. once it's done. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very rhythmical because, as I spoke before in the last chapter, that we that we talk about the, the the rhythms of breathing in and breathing mm -hmm. out are um, very important, and that also is an element that goes is carried on mm -hmm. the entire world of education until the yeah. children graduate from high school. Let's um, let's take a, a quick break, mm -hmm. and then when we come back, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what that would actually look like in the first grade. Okay, that that sort of how the day would start and sort of more or less how it would progress given what you've just said okay we'll carry on a little bit from there Sounds okay good. Mm -hmm. good.
right, we're we're back. So um, let's pick up where we left off. Um, you remember where we left yes, off? Yeah, yes. All right, good. Yeah, it was how does a day in the first grade look like? Yeah, yeah, great. So um, again, is the choice of the teacher and the choice of the school. Uh, but in general, there were some indications given by Dr. Steiner of what um, would be a healthy way to continue this breathing in and breathing mm-hmm. out um, of activities and also because it helps to maintain the middle realm, which we call the middle realm of the human being, which mm-hmm. is the middle section that contains the, the lungs and the heart. Mm-hmm. Um Breathing in, breathing mm-hmm. out, and a healthy circulation, which creates a way of um, uh, bring in up and down the energies of the well and the thinking, which are on the upper region of the head, the thinking, mm-hmm. and the lower region of the body, which is what is always described like the legs. You right. know, um, we can see it physically that way. Um, so. Like I said, is different schools were a little bit they adapted, but mm-hmm. in general, um, when the kids arrive to school, they have of course again different schedules. Some schools start at eight, some seven thirty, some eight thirty, whatever. Uh, but when they arrive, many Walder schools have like fifteen minutes where the parents can come and mingle for the fifteen minutes. Um, they're outdoors. They're not inside the classroom. Rain or shine, they're outdoors. So they have very important for all the grades mm-hmm. to bring uh, rain gear or if you're in a cold weather, like snow, to get right. that sort of equipment uh, in the classroom um, because they're always out. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no exception that the kids will stay inside the classroom. Right. They always right. are in and out. That's very important. Right. So they will arrive, um, they will have 15 minutes um, where the teacher is out. Uh, it, the school, let's say, starts at 8.15, mm-hmm. so the kids arrive at 8, a little before sometimes, and the parents are out there in the playground um, by grade, uh, there with a the teacher. Um, usually the first grade, usually the first grade um, has sort of a little separate area from the older kids because they're a little smaller. Yeah. So they are around the first grade area and they start sometimes with uh, jump ropes, jump yeah. rope games. Right, right. And the teacher usually leads these mm-hmm. uh, by, and they, many teachers are doing differently, but um, the jump rope is amazing because uh, we used to do it when I, I grew up in Ecuador and we used to do it all the time. Yeah, and yeah. this is something that I grew up with. And so I, when I saw it done here by many different teachers, I was in, in the Walder schools because I haven't seen it done in other schools as much. They use it for uh, multiplication tables, for yeah, right. different ways that you can count, um, that you can count by twos, by trees, an right. introduction to right. multiplication tables. Right. I mean, it is done in so many creative right. ways for rhymes. Right. Um, to you know, to to learn how to do in rhymes, we have seen them. I'm sure when you were little, you also yeah, did them true. here. Yeah. Uh, but these are sort of things that have been lost a little bit. Yeah. So the Waldorf is uh, maintaining them, and they are very um, useful and wholesome because first of all, it's playing, mm-hmm. and you are learning how to 
count and do right. things and math- ma- uh, mathematics that are complicated right. um, through these games. Yeah, it's amazing to watch how they do the the the, the multiplication tables. The, so just, fast. Just, yeah, the little kids. And they're, just, they're because, jumping you know, it's just like yeah. learning a rhyme. They don't know. Two, four, exactly. six, exactly. eight. And they'll just go and they'll do tens, twelves, thirteen tables. And they don't even know. You know, they're just doing it. And yeah. then when they have to actually learn those things, yeah. Yeah. it's really helpful. But it's interesting because what's happening here is that um, when you do things, when you have to talk and you have to do something jumping or something mm-hmm. that is physical yeah. like that, and you have to coordinate because jump right. rope is not that easy. <laughs> right. You know, when you're an adult, if you haven't done it for a while, it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to coordinate and do mm-hmm. things. So and sometimes they do t- double, ro- double ropes when they're a little older. When they're in first grade, no, not mm-hmm. so much. Um, and there is something happening in, in you when you're doing this. You know, you're, you're, if we want to talk just about brain, what's happening in your brain um, is incredible because of all the pathways that you have to activate to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Talk, do, think, you yeah, know, recall, right, do right. things like that. So that's something very simple and basic, uh, but it has m- much more in-depth um, significance. And I remember, I remember um, all the kids would do it. And I don't recall if it was optional or not. I don't believe it was optional, but I remember the kids being in line and just, you know, some kids were really good at it. Some kids were terrible at it, <clears throat> but they would just do it. They would just all do it and they were chatting and having a good time. And, and yes. when their turn came, they would just do it. And then they would go back, go to the back of the line again. And, you know, yeah. so it was because really it is done in a, in a, in a playful way, in a playful way. <laughs> yeah. And if the child doesn't know, for example, the teacher knows his or her students. Right. So, um, usually the teacher will, the, when it's a turn of a child, it will look at the child and it will say, okay, um, this is not the time to test the child right. in front of the entire world. Right. His or her world, which right. is his parents, right. uh, her parents or her friend's parents mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, if she or he can do this. So the teacher, because it is playful, will give the child, okay, the, the twos. Yeah, right. Or by one when it's the right. first time. Right. And then little by little, a child will come and say, I want to do the 10. Yeah. Or I want to do the 12 table. You right. know, the number right. by 12. They don't talk about tables at that time. Right. You of know, course. by 12. And the teacher will say, okay, let's do it. And like I say, it's only 10, 15 minutes. So it's really fast. Right. But the children love sure. this for through all the years that mm. I've been doing this mm. and, and watching so many classes. Um, I have never seen a child who doesn't enjoy yeah. this if mm. it is done in a right. playful way, like I say. Right. So the key element is the teacher, is mm. how the teacher approaches these yeah. things. So, but of course, these activities, like the uh, numbers, um, start in a game like that outside, but then when they go inside, and you can also do them inside the classroom, mm-hmm. um, but they have brought in, cla- in play form, they are brought in the classroom as play form, but then gets to a point where you actually uh, um, awaken them in a way that make them concrete, mm-hmm. meaning it doesn't stay just like you just say, mindfully repeating, because it becomes like you just learn them by memory. Yeah, right. But is to bring them into aha, realizing how do we connect um, the numbers and the four uh, main functions of math, which are addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. How do we 
um, get things. And it's all done in a story way sometimes, yeah. Yeah. and it's done in different ways. Games um, play, and at the beginning when they just start, uh, when we start just first grade, like I said, it's an extension of kindergarten, so the kids are still, um, you know, of course they have desks, which they don't have in kindergarten, but they still, the, 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 the walls are still called rose colors. Mm -hmm. They have little um, cell clear, you know, so that they cannot see outside, mm -hmm. but they still can see, but it's because it's sort of sheer, you know, like silk mm -hmm. sheer. Mm -hmm. And there are um, things in the day, for example, like I said, they do that and they have the main lesson, which usually So is, they start off they with start some off movement, outside. they come into the class. They come into the classroom. And they have main lesson, which is okay. two hours or an okay. hour and a half in some okay. schools, but it's like mainly two hours. Then they have a recess, and then they so, have... So the, the, the beginning is very out. It's physical. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's playful. Playful, and then they're coming in they to come a main in. lesson, so it's more of a an inner work, a thinking, if you will. Well, or... the, the thing is that when they come in, like I said, there is... You know, they, 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 they already know this because of the first day the teacher takes um, the first uh, week, month of the first grade is very important because it's created, it creates the uh, rhythms yeah. and the um, uh, things that you need to do in the classroom. Like, because, you know, it's dirty sometimes outside. Mm -hmm. Like here in Seattle, it's wet. Yeah. It's really wet right, and muddy right. sometimes. Right. So. They hang everything outside. They yeah. know how to do it. They take, they put the inside yeah. shoes, everything, and yeah. they're ready in line yeah. to go in. Yeah. And then the teacher welcomes them, shakes their hand sometimes mm. when they go in so that they look at their, at their yeah. face. This right. reason, the, the, the reason that um, they shake their hands is not only to greet them one by one mm -hmm. and say, I see you without mm. saying, I see you. Right. And sometimes how you doing, this is another way of checking on the child first thing in the morning when they arrive, even if they have done all the playing yeah, that I just right. told you for 10 minutes, um, how the child is doing. Yeah. And then, of course, there are some children who are very talkative and mm -hmm. chatty and some, some that are not. Right. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the child. Sure. It's just a temperament. Right. Yep. That has, just which checking is another, in with each individual. Checking yeah. in with each individual. Sometimes you touch their hand because you shake their hand. Um, you, you notice that the, the, the hands is cold or is, mm -hmm. and even if it's freezing outside, some children have very warm heart, yeah, heart, right, hands. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of indications yeah, of yeah. this. And it's very important because it makes sure. you an inner connection with a student sure. saying, I see you. And the child sometimes can tell you that they brought you a gift or this yeah. or that. Right, so right, then right. you can talk about it in, this, in mm -hmm. the recess. But there's a moment for you to just individual mm -hmm. say hi. And it doesn't take more than two seconds. Yeah, sure, you know, sure. it won't take long. And then you go in, they go into their, in their desks. And first thing that happens is the verse. There is a verse that is um, recited in, um, that were given uh, by Steiner. And these are very uh, beautiful verses mm -hmm. um, that um, if you read them, if you hear them, they are uh, designed for the first four grades and then for the upper grades and then the high school. And these are verses that are um, describing, in a way, inner feelings. Mm -hmm. And they're very reverent. Mm -hmm. And the child, um, and of course, it has to do with the teacher, too, how they, um, how the teacher, he or she, mm -hmm. uh, prepares and receives. And these are memorized. These are not uh, mm -hmm. read. And there are different translations, different versions, mm -hmm. but it's the same 
uh, because you know it comes from German, and mm. there are people who translate it differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but is um, is beautiful, and yeah. the kids love it. Yeah, and yeah. then you say, oh wow! But every day they have to do this. It doesn't get boring, mm. and doesn't get, and it actually doesn't because there are ways on you. It's almost like sure. the beginning of the day that you have these, and some people some uh, uh, teachers do it with gestures. Some people do it with um, just standing, depending on if you feel it reverent in your heart, you transmit this. Yeah, if sure. you are sort of like, ah, whatever, that's the attitude mm. that comes through. Uh, so the, the teacher, again, needs to work really hard on their inner work in sure. a way, which will be perhaps discussed on another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, so anyway, so they start with that. Because, um, you know, and on that note, I yeah. would just add, and that's been something that's been very interesting to me for many, many years, because ultimately, you know, we hear a lot in, in the world about how, you know, systems aren't working. We need a better system, the government, the this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, all of these things, all of these institutions, um, no matter what Steiner's indications were, it's all going to flow through the teacher. The institutions that exist in society look like us. And there's no other way for it to be. You can't sit down and design a better institution that in the end won't reflect who you are. And so the first place to start with all of this is with yourself, which speaks to the necessity for teachers to always be doing their own work. People, humans, but in this case, we're talking about Waldorf education. So a teacher is not the the boss, is not the person who tells you what is and what isn't. A teacher isn't someone who's going to empty their knowledge out upon you. Um, and so it's very important that teachers um, do constantly do their work. They're always looking in the mirror and the frustrating children, the difficult children. These are your these are your real your real teachers, the ones that make you frustrated. And so. Um, it's, it's, well, it's a, it's a very, um, I think it may, it merits a, a separate conversation, but just to answer what your, mm. you know, your question, it is, um, mainly with a teacher in the sense that, um, Steiner always talked about, um, the importance, not only of, uh, learning the human development mm. through the perspective, as I said it before, mm. not as a, that the human being uh, having a body and a mind, mm-hmm. but a, 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 an entity that has uh, many different complex. It's an, a, a complex mm-hmm. human being is a complex entity that has a soul, a spirit, uh, a, a body, and we as teachers, our mission is not only to learn all of this, so we understand what we're seeing. Oh, this is typical of a seven-year-old. This mm-hmm. is typical of a nine-year-old. And what are the things that are exceptions mm-hmm. and things that are, uh, well, something typical doesn't mean a stereotype. Mm-hmm. It's just something that, for example, when the child is five or six, they lose their teeth. Mm-hmm. That's something that happens natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I mean by saying you look at the, those, those indications mm-hmm. that are typical. But I'm not saying things that are causing for uh, somebody to have stereotypes on particular, you know, children, like, you know, children who are ADD, do this or do that, do mm-hmm. that, you know, and we usually 
as you said, as a teacher, I am very careful of labeling students. Mm -hmm. Even my students in high school uh, that I have that I have had that were diagnosed with dyslexia and things like that, I always was very careful when I uh, work with them um, to sort of talk to them and say, I, I would like that you don't see yourself that yeah, way because that's no, not yeah. who you are. That's yeah, just something you have. a very fine line between the understanding that comes with a label and a definition and, as we said earlier, the closing then in of future possibilities because of what you've just defined yourself as. It's a very fine line and, yeah. and it requires and I think, many, a maturity it, that you can't really expect a young person to have yet. So, and, and many high schoolers, surprisingly, when we have had this conversation, because I have worked, um, you know, uh, my specialty is healing education, so I do a lot of work mm. with that. Um, when I have, we have worked and we have talked about this, many of the, the students in high school, uh, ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th and 12th graders, they have expressed their relief to realize that they are not sick, yeah, that right. this is not right. a, a sickness, right. Right. an illness, right. and that they can overcome it, that they yeah. can actually, yeah. uh, and, and saying, I have yeah. stopped seeing myself this way, and when I stop seeing myself this way, yeah. I open many different doors of possibility. Sure. And that in itself is a fresh, you yeah. know, fresh yeah. air when yeah. you hear a, a, a teenager sure. to, in a way, feel that they were prisoners by by this diagnostic label that was given yeah, to right. them, but that they realized that, yeah, they could be dyslexic or whatever they, they, the condition was that they were uh, diagnosed, uh, but that doesn't mean that that's who they are. Sure. And that they yeah. can find a way to heal themselves or overcome whatever it is that is. And they yeah. don't, that's uh, something that limits them. Yeah. And that's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah, that's a, that's a larger conversation yes. about, um, which we'll have at some point. So, so what does the classroom look like and what so sort the, of the yeah, curriculum? Yeah, so the classroom, and, like I was saying, is still almost like an extension of the kindergarten in the sense that it's still sort of um, homey. warm. Yeah, it feels warm. very homey, mm -hmm. but it's, it, has, it has desks, so it doesn't have mm -hmm. um, all the little tables. It, like Exactly. Before, it doesn't right. feel like a home. It yeah. feels like a classroom. Yeah. It's usually bigger mm -hmm. than other classrooms because the kids don't need more space. Mm -hmm. And um, they have, you know, like I said, their desks, they have a little sometimes indoor place where they have uh, their little cabbies where they put um, the, the lunch boxes and mm -hmm. things. And inside there, sometimes they have um, lamb schemes or things that they can play. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, because they are, they're still little corner a little corner that has toys like that yeah, for the yeah. one who needs it still and but it's not in the middle of the classroom and it's not something that they will do when they are actually in class mm. that's not going to happen then it mm. happens when they are sometimes in the afternoon they have a free time mm -hmm. or things like that and each uh, teacher will design their classroom however they um in this element that i just gave you mm -hmm. um but um, then, as I was saying, the main lesson, then they have sometimes a little recess, mm -hmm. a, like a little snack break where they have a snack and they go out to yep. play for a bit and then come back in. And then they so have... So you, 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 can't, you can't have a, 
seventh graders sitting for two hours. So how does oh, that no, work? Oh, no, no, right? that's I mean, what, you, the, the, the whole thing, like I said to you, is in breath, in breath, and out breath. Right. So, there is so, a, so they, they, let's say class starts at 8.15, mm-hmm. so they're there at 8, playing till 8.15, they go in, you have a verse, you settle, what time do you start, 8.30, you would start? You well, know. it usually starts eight twenty, but no, it's just five minutes, okay, just and then quickly, you're yeah. very, very quick. Okay, and then you have to keep it moving yeah. fast. You know, it, it, and then it's not fast in the sense fast, but like right. always have to be. You have to be very prepared because yeah, right. you cannot sure, just sure. wing it. You yeah, cannot wing like, it. Yeah, you no. can't wing it. The whole you, the, thing's the moving whole quickly. Thing, you have to the whole to, thing yeah. fall apart if you wing. Yeah, it. You, right. I mean, you can if you are super prepared, meaning if you have prepared your lesson, mm-hmm. you can drop the lesson in sure. the sense of and like things are not working, but you go with your sure. with your intuition, but you cannot just wing it in the sense that you didn't prepare anything <laughs> and you just show up, right. you can. You just, right. especially for the younger grades, everything breaks apart because they are, you have to sort of hold, it's like an orchestra. I remember um, when we sat in on a first grade class years ago, and I remember feeling without knowing this that that I, the sense that I was, uh, I don't want to say relaxed, but I was breathing correctly. And he had a way, and there were 30 kids, 35 kids, there were a lot of kids there. And he was essentially like- Closer to 40, actually. Closer to 40. Yeah. And he was, it was literally like he was conducting an orchestra, which is a phenomenon that if you've never done it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Because when you, you know, the, literally the musicians know their music, but they will look at you and, and with your hands- you can you can send them anywhere you want, and they'll go. Um, they don't just you know play what's on the music. They they'll do what you tell them to do. Oh, you were uh, you were in the band, so you know right. you know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So, but most people don't understand that the conductor can can send the orchestra somewhere, a good orchestra that's actually looking to the conductor, can send them anywhere they want to go. It's it's amazing phenomenon to actually have that to do that, but what I noticed was that he and these were little kids who were like literally just all over the place. Yet he was able to sort of speak to one or two, and the all the attention would go to that child for a second. That was sort of the focusing in, and then he would bring the attention back to him at the board, and it was like taking a breath. And then he would go back to a little kid and this, and they were going in, and then he was going back out, and literally, it was like a bellows. It was like a, a, a bellows that was, that was happening unconsciously through his directing of the material. And, you know, there were kids on the edges of the classes going here and there, and he was like a shepherd, then just sort of gently cupping them back in with a word or two and it was just literally like a conductor um but so yeah that's a very good example because that's what happens and and many teachers who um learn to do this um breathing and breathing out mm. because you can do it as you just explained beautifully um how a teacher has to be central and periphery in a way you right. have to be in the center of what it is you're teaching and looking and and, and but then at the same time you have to be open at it. so you have to do this sort of periphery and center instantaneously looking in and out so that you don't have kids right. at the borders of the right. you know falling apart because right. you're so concentrating in the, right. what you're doing that you're losing the kids right so um that's the art of teaching yeah and it comes with um, years of teaching yeah, right. and some 
some fortunate ones have a gift for right. this. Right. Um, and whether you're in Waldorf or not, mm -hmm. people are able to do this. Um, but this is one of the things that we we are trained and we work towards creating. Uh, that's what I mean that when I when I say that you have to be very prepared because to be able to know what you are gonna do, what and the activities you're gonna mm -hmm. do, you have to really it has to flow. It has to flow. It's almost like you're rowing and you're rowing and you have to keep rowing. It's a mm -hmm. rhythm. If you lose your rhythm, you just you 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 have mm -hmm. to pick it up again, yeah, right. and it takes time. So. Right. And it not, doesn't only happen with little kids. If you drop um, the rhythm, um, it happens with the older kids. It's a different kind of naughtiness that happens. Mm. So you always have to keep it, you know. Yeah. So you could say, oh, my God, that's like exhausting for the teacher. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it can be exhausting. Sure. But, when, but the thing is, like, when this is done and there is this inner communication between the teacher and the students, and it happens, this breathing in and breathing out, it's almost like it is, um, I, I just see it as the center and periphery going you know, in and out, in and mm -hmm. out. If you have this sort of feeling, almost like a heart pulsating, yeah, right. that it gives life yeah, to the class yeah. and to you. So yeah. you are not exhausted. You feel yeah. so uh, enthusiastic sure. at the end of your class mm -hmm. because it went that way. So it's almost like it feeds you. And the kids get fed by everything okay. that, right. that is given right. in a wholesome and right. healthy way. Yeah. So, and also the activities, and the children do not sit for two hours ever, yeah, even in the in the in the high school. There's always broke uh, breaking down in groups and activities. Mm -hmm. They have to go. They have to stand up. But it has to be um, orchestrated and and already selected activities right. that are not going to create chaos. Yeah. Right. Because it's not like right. that. Like it's not done. Like okay, everybody goes. And no, it's not done like that. It's done in a calm way that the kids go and rhythmical and the, the teacher in first grade builds this activity so mm -hmm. they're able to, you know, because sometimes they have to move all the desks so that they can use the, the, the classroom to do certain activities that need to be uh, done for the numbers or for whatever mm -hmm. the, the, the letters, like if they're learning, let's say, um, the letter S, like, you know, snake, they don't go and you just put the letter there and then everybody learns how to write that. No, that's, it's not done that way. It's all done. It's a very multi-sensory experience. Everything you learn from the numbers, through the letters, to writing, mm -hmm. to reading, it's always multi-sensory. Mm -hmm. And um, for let, example- let, Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. As it, delve, it diverges into um, or um, uh, the, the curriculum. Like what, what kind of things do, you, do the kids teach? Let's talk about English and math and mm -hmm. things like that. What, specifically well the uh, way that that um let's just say the way that uh re writing is taught mm -hmm. is not uh through you know it's, i mean it, it is done through like i said multi-sensory mm -hmm. so for example usually it's all based on story mm -hmm. story as i said in the early childhood is play and story play becomes something else in the grade school it's still play all the activities that are done are like play but they're translated into fun activities that are done mm -hmm. um that are uh touching some part of the material that is you know being taught or that needs to be learned um so if you're gonna learn about the letter s we're gonna learn this um letter is usually telling a little story about the, the and many times the teachers make up these stories 
and their stories continue and you introduce other characters or mm -hmm. something through the letters. And the reason why this is done is because it and it's, it, it's, it's created in a way um, that you create living images in the child. It's not just whatever story you want to do, but the thing that actually mm. um, resonates with a child. Mm -hmm. So when you have a, you create a story that is, you have crafted, if you have made it up, and it has um, uh, this letter mm -hmm. in the sense, for example, the snake I was saying. I always love when I um, learned this one from one of the teachers. Um, a long, long time ago, one of the teachers um, that used this little um, verse or rhyme, mm -hmm. like sly and slinking serpents slither, hissing through the softly steering grass. Mm -hmm. So they use, we use um, little rhymes like that through, even if you're doing a story, mm -hmm. and we do the, the rhymes, and the children later on when they, we don't do just one day and then it's over. We'll, we'll use it through the week when we're learning different letters. And they, they, we move the desks and we walk around, mm -hmm. moving the hands like a, and doing yeah. the rhymes, mm -hmm. littering. How mm -hmm. does that mean? Because it has to live in the mm -hmm. body of the child, mm -hmm. especially at that age. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So that's done. Then they, this is brought into the hand, which means you write it. But... We usually say we draw it because we make a drawing. So the teacher would have done, we use a lot of blackboard drawings mm -hmm. in the Waldorf where the teacher creates a drawing of a snake, let's say, because we're learning the S. And they, um, and it has the form as a snake. Mm -hmm. And it's beautifully done, not just, yeah. a, how, how do you say that? Not just solo in the, in the, in the blackboard in a space just a snake sure. but it's usually done yeah. as though it's in the grass or something yeah. so it, it has a, a it's wholesome it's yeah. not just floating in the, sure, in the blackboard sure, sure. and yeah the blackboard drawings are, are a whole conversation of themselves exactly. and and maybe as we go we can we can talk a little more and, and it changes of, through the right. it changes through the um the grades but the the blackboard uh the, because that touches the point about the art um, like what kind of art do they do in Waldorf? Is everything is artistic? The entire main lesson is um, the kids create their own books, mm. and they're, they, they, we don't use textbooks per se in the classroom. Mm. We create the children create the books through the teacher. You know, we the teachers uh, learn all the stuff that we're teaching for that blog, and then we create a digester for the children's let's say mm -hmm. and we create it for them and then they create the books and, and it's not like they make whatever they want right. we just sort of uh, direct them with mm -hmm. this page we're going to do these for the little ones like first grade we have in the blackboard which are huge in the first grade mm -hmm. um and they open up so that they have like almost like magical doors where yeah, they right. open and they become bigger right so that way the teacher reveals and that's another element of first grade mm -hmm. and the first fourth grades actually but especially first grade the element of surprise uh -huh. that is very important so you just don't tell them until you don't reveal it until it's ready mm -hmm. to do right. and some some uh, classrooms don't have the space to do that so they use curtains little curtains yeah, where right. they hide right. and then they right. open it when it's ready kids mm -hmm. love it um, but anyway, so that's another element of playfulness. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, then they learn to do the, you know, they write mm -hmm. and they copy. 
you can say they copy the mm -hmm. teacher, they imitate the mm -hmm. teacher, they copy what they're doing, and then later on they they read it. Yeah, they right. read what they have uh, uh, what they have wrote, written. Mm -hmm. So they you could say well the reading and the writing is are connected, deeply mm -hmm. connected, and mm -hmm. there is all done through uh, multi-century, like I said. Mm. It's not just one element that is used and the kids don't see it. It's all because it has to penetrate mm -hmm. your entire body to really feel what this letter is. What is yeah, this? Right. And then later on, when you have to separate in English, especially the sound of the k, like kin or cat, that mm -hmm. sounds like the same. Yeah, right. You have to sort of de devise a way to do that. And it's just beautiful yeah. how you can do yeah. this and how the kids will love it. And then... In third grade, they still remember things that you have said in sure. first grade. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And we'll, we'll, we could, we could delve more into that right now. But I think let's just leave that yeah. because as we go through the grades, it'll become apparent why art is so important and how it uh, influences the child at each different age in a different way. Yeah, and how it really um, creates a deep learning um over the years that that just cannot be done even in my field of business and economics the way to understand economics is through pictures yeah. i mean you can talk about the concepts of price and value and so much of economics is just there's nothing necessarily tangible to it talk about inflation what is that you, that's nothing you can touch. One has to be able to think in pictures to really penetrate the field images. of economics. Yeah, we call it living images because whatever right. you tell, and you know, we're talking about first grade, and this goes through all the grades, the story element, like mm -hmm. I just said. And it, the most important thing is that you create living images so mm -hmm. that the, the child is able to connect to the, sub, the mm -hmm. topic in a way, whether it is a uh, physics that you're doing a, a, mm -hmm. a, a an experiment or mm -hmm. chemistry or a ma math even math that mm -hmm. you would say like what how are you gonna do living images with that mm -hmm. there's like so many different ways sure. that you can create uh through a story mm -hmm. uh, because the student has to be especially the, the the subjects that are difficult for many students like math and physics that mm -hmm. sometimes science is not so good for some people i mean mm -hmm. i love science but some people mm -hmm. Don't, don't and didn't mm -hmm. when they were in school. There are ways to connect the subject that sometimes seems dry, right. make it alive. Right. And that also is what I mean when I say living images. Right. Through stories, right. you can create that biographies, different things. Right. So that comes when the kids are in middle school and older right. in high school. But I'm talking about when they're little, um, there's all in the first grade, they, we could say that well, what, what sort of stories you tell them. And, you know, the, the ones that we make up that are for, when we're doing mm -hmm. letters like this, like I said. But in general, the first grade, the umbrella of the stories are fairy tales. Yeah. And the reason why mm -hmm. it is, and this is an indication from Steiner, um, is because the human development at that time resembles very much that sort of archetypal mm -hmm. um, symbol, symbolism mm -hmm. that, ha that fairy tales have. Mm -hmm. And there are fairy tales, fairy tales around the world. Yeah. Um, and some people will say, oh, no, but fairy tales, some of them are pretty gruesome, whatever. And the thing is, like, fairy tales have, because like, they have these archetypal elements, they have such a, a strong moral and a spiritual yeah, lessons right. with 
seeing them. Right. That you don't have to explain to the child right. that the wicked queen of the Snow White is wicked and is mean and mm. is this. You just, they get it. Yeah, sure. Even though she's beautiful, mm-hmm. she's just wicked. Yeah, and right. they get that. Right. Not because you told them that they, she's bad, but because right. they get it through the actions sure. and through her way of dealing with envy and jealousy and all of that. And you don't say these words. You just right. tell the sure. fairy tale as what's happening. The children yeah. get it. And it's just right. so powerful. Sure. That's beats, and that's what the first teaching grade. religion, you know, uh, which, which to be, to be fair, I'm not against, but the point is to indoctrinate someone in an when they're older about right and wrong uh you know um, you know it, people can be receptive to that but fairy tales are are something that when we read them even as adults you you can relate to these yeah. archetypes but especially the children at that age sure. they, and they absolutely love they it love they them. go yeah, into a different world right. and they you will sure. never hear a class so quiet and where you're mm, telling a story. Sure. Yeah. And it, you, so yeah. the teacher has to be prepared because we don't read them. We actually tell, tell them. them. And it doesn't, it's not tall because some of the fairy tales are really long. Yeah. They're not tall in one day. Yeah, They're right. tall in a numerous days. Mm. And the child has to sure. has live to, with uh, it. And wonder. then some has to mm. wonder what happened. And sometimes, of course, they go home and sometimes maybe the parents will tell them. Sometimes children don't even say anything. But that doesn't matter mm-hmm. because the fairy tale, the way that it's told, mm-hmm. is still a jewel yeah. for the child. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and and they are just um, like I said, not told in one day. They're told, and then the next day, when you go, you you go to the, you come back to the class. There is something called recapitulation. Mm-hmm. You don't drill it to the children. You right. sort of ask, okay, where do we left it off? And you always mm-hmm. have children. I know yeah, that right. they want to say. And sometimes you allow, you know, there's three or four. Um, you don't spend a long time doing sure. this review. You just take yeah. two or three, and then yeah. you pick it up, yeah. and then you go, okay, so yeah. then, and you don't do, you don't do it as a, okay, so where, where, where we left it off, and that, so, but mm. just like, ooh, and sometimes in first grade you wouldn't even do that at the beginning. You just sort of pick it yeah. up where you left it, yeah. and then when through the. As the year goes along, you may do a little, a little bit of this. But it's always helpful to do this review the next day because in Waldorf, we use a lot um, the, 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 the night, meaning mm-hmm. the child learns something, and when they go to sleep the next day, you, 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 you wonder what happens. It's, and you, it's amazing mm-hmm. sometimes what you see um, happening to one student or the class from one part, you know, from one day to the next. So we always try to review, and of course, when they get older, they definitely there is always review much more um, concrete. Uh-huh. Uh, with the little ones, it's different. Like I just said, in a little story, mm-hmm. or when they are doing reviewing the letters or something, we always review. No, we don't. We won't. We won't take a half hour <laughs> reviewing, yeah. but just a little quick. Where were mm-hmm. we? What happened? And some kids are pretty very awake, and some are not, yeah. and it's that's okay because yeah. some are a little more. Sleepy, like I like to call it, and that's okay. But the the, the whole class, in a way, moves. Um, yeah, all of them. So I have one other question, which is, which is a little bit off topic, and maybe concluding. And we're all we're kind of out of time. So 
And I know we haven't really delved into curriculum, if you will, as deeply as we would like. I expect that we'll we'll cover that even in the, the later grades. We'll reflect back a little bit. So maybe we don't have to. But is there anything else that you wanted to um, make sure was said for first grade curriculum, other things, just, just broadly speaking, to give us a flavor for, for maybe that, that, well, well, I guess I just, because we're talking on this topic, um, curriculum per se is not really, we don't Mm. really have like, like if you do Montessori, there is a methodology and there's Mm -hmm. like curriculum that you have to do through the certain mm-hmm. periods or grades. Mm-hmm. If, uh, Waldorf is not really that way. We have guidelines mm-hmm. that were given, that's what I said, the, that, that were given to us or what are the things that are important to accomplish in uh, the first grade. What are the things that we have to work on um, allowing, you know, awakening the child. Mm-hmm. And, but we don't have, for example, this is the kind of things you have to do. They're just indications so mm-hmm. that each teacher can do it differently. Like for example, in math, I was telling you, there is always a lot of movement. There is always um, different reference of teachers from the past 50, 60 years or more, because this Walter has mm-hmm. had 100 years, um, that may have had some examples mm-hmm. of things you can do. So you can do it and say, oh, I can transfer this or tra- translate this in a different way, mm-hmm. and you can do it your own version of it. And that's very free very uh because a teacher in in a way um each teacher is different as each child is different so we need to sort of take that mm-hmm. whatever it was and then um through this the the study of the human development and the indications of dr steiner um translate that into what's um what works for this particular class mm-hmm. however that doesn't mean that i am going to disregard everything and just sort of teach things that are not appropriate according to what we are um following which is mm-hmm. the uh human development as the child in as a whole mm-hmm. not just like i mentioned before as a body and mind entity right. but as a very much more complex uh being right and as an example of that, in the later grades, for example, there are no textbooks, which we've become accustomed to the textbook. Um, and so the, the class follows the direction that the teacher chooses to take the class in. It doesn't conform to a particular textbook. Now, obviously, there's a lot of overlap, but um, it's something that the teacher sort of comes up with the quote curriculum. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, like, um, there is this uh, little. It's almost like um, the great, the especially the gray school teacher is like a Renaissance mm-hmm. scholar. The right. Renaissance scholar right. was a, a person that was schooled in so many topics right. and so many subjects. So right. every time that you teach, first of all, you teach each grade. You don't go first grade. The same teacher, you know, you have the same teacher mm-hmm. for first grade over mm-hmm. and over and over. Right. The, the teacher goes with his, his or her class to right. the end of eighth grade. So right. if you have been a teacher for 30 years, you have maybe done third, first grade three times. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless you have done first to fourth and you go back to first. Right. But right. in general, many teachers go all the way through eighth right. grade. So each year you have a new grade. So you have to, and each three or four weeks, you have a new block. That yeah, you have to teach right. of, yeah. of 
you know, and that's what we do in the world of history. It's done that way so that we dwell deeply into mm -hmm. a topic for yeah. four weeks, and that's we mm -hmm. only see that. Of course, there will be always the um, ar arithmetic ex exercises in other times when you're older and things like that. But in general, every four weeks, we dwell into a specific yeah. topic right. for all the grades. Um, so from my understanding, the uh, Steiner's indications governing the evolution of humanity, the broad evolution of humanity through the major epochs, um, there's a correspondence of that in the grades, so that as the children are evolving or growing through the grades, the material they're learning corresponds to a, a previous epoch in our evolution as humans. So, for example, what is it? Fifth grade is Greece or Rome? Or uh, Greece. Greece. Ancient Greece. Ancient Greece. And then what? Sixth is? Mainly Rome. Mainly Rome. Yeah. But and it doesn't mean that you only study that. Of it just course. Means that right. But the, the underlying, like, I would call it the umbrella mm -hmm. of the, that year. Right. And, and to flesh that out just a tiny bit, that the, the epoch of Greece in human evolution has certain characteristics of who we were as humans at that time, which reflects who we are as humans or what we're going through in the fifth grade, roughly speaking. Am I? Am I? Yeah. 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 So in the first grade, like I said. Yeah. The, the umbrella is fairy tales because fairy tales. the child is still in that, we are still um, in that almost like coming into... So what is that, the ancient Indian dreamy. that we would call the ancient Indian, the first uh, evolutionary epoch? Dreamy no, still? No, it's a little bit more because we don't... We don't um, it's, it, it's surrounded by the fairy tales because that's still an archetypal mm. state. So not very, even landed. It's just we're still coming mm. out of the womb, make, 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 being almost like incarnated. Yeah, into, okay. In so here, this still... is why um, it's very important for the Waldorf to make sure that the child is ready. Yeah. To enter first grade, not because, um, like I said, it always can be not totally ready. But like he has all the other yeah. indications, not right. only like the movement I said, yeah, okay. but there are things that like children want to learn. They're yeah, just, right. you, you could see the, the, the mm. seeming And it doesn't mean the other child who is not away is not ready. Mm. But there is, there is a group of um, a readiness that mm -hmm. we see, that we look yeah. up to make sure that the child is ready and that they will yeah. blossom. Because yeah. sometimes... It's not good that a child goes to first grade and is really not ready to be there, right, and then they right, have to right, be sent back right. to, uh, to right. uh, kindergarten. Some right. children don't care yeah. because they really hate it to be in first grade. Yeah. But that could be uh, not so good for some children. Yeah, so right. it's, it's taken into a very, um, it's very important. Yeah. So I realized that my question was more an esoteric, oh, yeah. um, you know, evolutionary question. Um, but I find I find the 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 correspondence is interesting, um, and as we get older, as the kids get older, 
um, I think it helps uh, the parents who don't really understand child development as well to to understand that the kids are going through a period which looks like Greece and then going through a period which looks like Rome when they become a little bit wild. And rather than just being shocked at some of the, quote, barbarity that we can see when they're going through their Roman period, to understand it as an important part of what we went through as humanity and what they're now reliving in a way and going through, it helps us to to approach it in a constructive manner rather than just, you know, sort of <laughs> off with your head for doing that because it's it's not acceptable yeah. in society. It's very important also in the most Waldorf schools, uh, parent education. So mm -hmm. they're always um, parent meetings where the right. teacher has a right. parent meeting and, you know, they always, all the grades do this, but the teacher uh, does it in a, in a different way yeah. because the teacher is in a way sort of the captain of their ship. Yeah. And they sort of decide what they want to, how they want to approach it. But they usually have parent education mm -hmm. um, days, classes. Right. Sometimes right. the school does right. it so that they are able to understand, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. that's why they're right. doing this. Right. Or that's right. why this. Or what, that's why you guys are doing this. Right. Or whatever it is that mm -hmm. is happening. So there is a, they try to, uh, the teachers in general try to have these open communication with the parents and a little bit of education without to be pedantic, sure. you know? Sure. It's just a, a circle yep. and it's, this is what's happening. Like usually it's done, the first parent meeting, like after a month or so, or three weeks after school has started, they have a parent meeting um, and they usually address that for the new school year. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what we are, that's what we're doing. This is what it will be look like. This is what we're gonna look into um, the, the year so the parents get a big picture because that's mm -hmm. another thing we use yeah. big pictures and small right. pictures right. Um, through the whole world of which we can talk mm. about it next time great well thanks again thank and you we'll do um, we'll move on to second grade next time okay and um, yeah it's always lovely to have you and thank, thank you. you for sharing your enormous wealth of experience and thank knowledge you. with people I think um, I think people will uh, find it really helpful and, and I imagine with all that's going on in the world today we're probably going to see a lot more people deciding to homeschool and whatever way they go however they choose to do it I think that um, a better understanding of how it's done through the Waldorf could could only can only help people in that you know yes my pleasure yeah thank you thanks for listening to this episode of Anthroposophy Today Check the episode description for a link to the blog post for this episode where you'll find additional content. If you have any questions or feedback, send us an email at anthroposophytodaypodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at www.anthroposophytoday.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.